there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Today's guest is Sarah Schott, an organist from Lincoln, Nebraska. Sarah was our boss at Grace Lutheran Church when I and Oshred were doctoral students at University of Nebraska-Lincoln and worked as part-time organist at Grace. Currently, she is an organist and music director there. She directs four choirs, adult choir, children's choir, and two bell choirs, plays the organ, and leads a very productive and creative musical life for her congregation. In today's conversation, we will talk about the duties of the church musician, and in particular about the work with bell choirs. Let's go to the show. So, Sarah, I'm so delighted that uh, you can join this conversation. We've been uh, having some delays. I'm very, very uh, sorry, uh, but but uh, finally we're here and uh, we can we can have this uh, interview about the things that we both love and enjoy: uh, church music, right? And in particular, bell choir, right? The work uh, uh, with bell choirs is very in- interesting and exciting. So, thank you so much for joining. You are so generous and welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Great. Um, let uh, let us remind our listeners uh, uh, our little bit of connection. Uh, Sarah uh, was and is uh, music director at Grace Lutheran Church uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska, where I was an organist and Oshra was an organist when uh, we were doctoral students at UNL. So, but that was actually what 10 years ago right about yeah, 10 long- years ago long, long time ago and we haven't uh, we actually uh, met each other uh, sh- uh, briefly for uh, my concert uh, experience right at at, at uh, in lincoln but yeah. uh, but um, but that what that was very short right a couple of days so actually many things happened in between right in both both sides of the atlantic and it's very interesting to see how you how you do your work and what ideas are uh, circulating around in 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 nebraska right now so uh, for starters i usually ask people how they first fell in love with the organ it's very interesting to see to hear this story sarah do you remember from your childhood who was the first person who introduced you to the pipe organ um well i grew up in a small town in south dakota and uh my church was the only one that had a pipe organ and so i always heard it from little on always heard the organ and um, I don't even know why, but my mom decided I should take piano lessons. And nobody else in my family was a musician, but she thought I should. And so I did. And then as we got older, um, as each organist graduated from high school, then the next girl with the most lessons would become the organist. So eventually, when I was about 16, 15 or 16, I became the organist. And I was lucky because my mom had a friend who was an organist and she told me, told her to take me to Yankton for lessons. So I was able to study with a college professor when I was in high school. So I had good lessons to start with. And then I came to Nebraska to study journalism. Um, But I wanted to minor in organ because um, I had heard of George Ritchie and I was supposed to study with him. And so I did and uh, then I never became a journalist, and instead I became a church musician. So that's kind of how it all happened. Fantastic. A very, very interesting story from journalism to organ. But actually, 
they have more more things in common that uh, than it might seem at first because it's all about communication right you are communicating in in musical uh, ideas and musical with musical means and journalists and people who write and and talk they communicate with words but music is also a language right so uh, you communicate uh, with people because uh, if you couldn't communicate, let's say, a congregation at Grace Lutheran Church and you would play uh, something that they don't understand and don't appreciate, connection would be not there and you would be basically separated and uh, people would be frustrated probably and you also would be frustrated, right? So, so that common ground is very, very important in communication. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, Sarah. So, um, uh, you are doing such a, a tremendous, uh, interesting things at Grace. I remember y- you having, uh, you direct, you are directing what, uh, two or three choirs now? Um, adult choir, a mm-hmm. children's choir, and two bell choirs. Oh, four choirs, basically. Uh, two bell choirs, that's even even more than I can can. Uh, <laughs> imagine doing myself right so what is your normal sunday uh, schedule can you tell us a little bit yeah sunday um we only have one service on Mm -hmm. sunday and that's at nine o'clock and then we have adult choir rehearsal after that which is nice we've gotten a few more people that way because they don't have to come back another night of the week Um, so that works out well and then i run off and do music with sunday school kids for a little while and then I have my beginning bell choir rehearsal after that. Mm-hmm. So my Sunday morning is one big service and then three little rehearsals. Right. Well, one big, two little ones. So yeah, it's 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 quite a, a bit of work, uh, right up until lunch probably, right? Exactly. And when you get ready to to go to lunch, you are quite exhausted probably and feel like like you need some rest. I'm happy if I don't have to cook lunch. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And what about uh, weekdays? Uh, what uh, uh, what kind of rehearsals do you do during weekdays? On Wednesday nights, we have um, my children's choir, mm-hmm. and they are. When you were here, they were probably very small yet, um, just little little boys. I had like three or four little kids. Um, I now have about twelve to fourteen, depending on the day. And they range from seventh graders down to first graders. So it's quite an age range, but we make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have that rehearsal. And then we have an evening prayer service every week. And uh, and then I'm kind of done. I do my own stuff. And then on Thursdays, we have our advanced bell choir rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So. so it's it's a full... It's almost, it's like full-time position, right, uh, Sarah, for you? It's close, yeah. It's mm-hmm. 30 hours mm-hmm. and sometimes it's more, of course. But... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's flexible. At least I can work it around what I need to, other things I need to do. Of course, when you are a musical director, you you are you're having flexibility to choose what you want, right? Right. But of course, you still have to report to to I don't know pastor and elders and committees, right? Things and congregation too, probably. You don't have that, you know, luxury of doing what only you want right uh, you still have to communicate with people w- which you are very good at of course and um, what about what about um, uh, some uh, organ organ solo um, placements do you have some time where you can play solo organ music at church yes so usually the prelude and the postlude are organ 
solos. Um, sometimes they're bells, like when the bells play, then they'll often play the prelude. Um, but the postlude is almost always organ, and the prelude is most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then on off- offertories, you know, it depends. If the choir is singing, they may sing there, or they might sing at communion. So we have those things. So yeah, there's some solo stuff. And then our Saturday night service is on that little median organ, and it just one manual, and so it's um, that's all solo organ usually. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, but F- usually. Fantastic. Uh, well, we have to remind our listeners uh, from around the globe because um, the the organ that Sarah plays is uh, the big one, at least. It it, it is what two manual Casavant, right? Casavant, thirty three mm-hmm. ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had a bunch of work done on it to. Uh, the pipes were all cleaned and straightened, and we had um, solid-state system put in. To mm-hmm. the uh, the pistons and the stops were becoming a little sluggish, and so now we have memory levels and uh, some of those fun things. So we had all that work done, and we're waiting for our zimbal stern. It's on oh, its way, mm-hmm. and of yeah. course, it's all a, a real pipe organ. It's not a virtual, not a digital, not not computer now. So it's all real, real stuff, real. Uh, you can smell even the organ, yeah. right, in the yes. church. Grace is all about tradition and mm-hmm. real uh, real instruments and acoustic as much as possible. We try not to mic singers. Um, we try not to mic much of anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, yeah, it's it's real. It's beautiful. The space, as you remember, is lovely. And the organ, yeah, organ sounds great. Choir sounds good. So it's a really nice place to work for the the beauty of it exactly exactly and um, of course uh, how do you go go about uh, uh, choosing the repertoire for your choirs and bell choirs uh, what what um, where do you go, come, go uh, with your inspiration well um, for the vocal choirs mm-hmm. it's all about the words first and so we start with the, the lectionary and mm-hmm. we plan according to the scriptures of the day. And I've been at Grace for um, since 2002 as the director of music. And so I know the library and the choir and I have built up a repertoire together that we can rely on too. So that's really nice. We were talking about that this year, how wonderful it is to have been together and have really good quality pieces that we know we can do um, without a lot of rehearsal. And, uh, and that, that allows us to explore some new things, but we always have that reserve of things that you can do. Um, so we start with, with those things, and then I look through, um, we, Grace is a member of the Royal School of Church Music, mm-hmm. and so we get their little planning resource, which I love. And we're being Lutherans, we also use the um, ELCA's planning resource. So we use those some, but... Um, I would say between those and sort of my own personal memory and the library, that's how we do adult choir and kids choirs. You know, it's very, very good because you you pay attention to the text, to the to the readings, right, to the gospel, to the scriptures of the day, of the particular uh, occasion, right, and that's that's something that. Um, not too many uh, churches do here in Lithuania. Um, 
well, first of all, resources are scarce for musical ideas, right? You have to, you have to uh, think about um, solo organ music very, very carefully because not not too much, not too many organ pieces uh, exist, particularly suited for for you know Catholic Church uh, occasions, right? Mm, but uh, but our hymnals are not as as extensive uh, and detailed as as here uh, there in America you have so I'm very happy that you have this situation where you can fit music and words and meaning meaning provide meaning because congregation really needs that and appreciates I guess. Yeah, I think they they would miss it if we didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And um, and with the organ music that we choose, um, a lot of times we choose something on the hymns of the day. Um, but we the freer organ music, I like to think about the the feeling of the day, the tone of the you know the for the postlude. What's the last hymn like? And 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 try to find something that sort of sounds good with it, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of freedom to do what I want, but I also, I always feel like um, I am an ambassador for this instrument that I love and for this music that I love. And um, church music is often sort of a battleground as people try to get their way with this style or that style exactly. or whatever. And I love the music of the past that that is such high quality. And so I always want to present it the best we can. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Sarah uh, some of the tensions, right? Uh, uh, we have across uh, the globe, probably, and uh, uh, within many congregations, some people um, love contemporary music, right? And some love co- traditional music. And uh, how do you uh, c- uh, connect those two different approaches at Grace? Well, I'm kind of lucky because at Grace, we just pretty much do traditional music. Mm-hmm. And so um, we've made a commitment to be a congregation that um, we're about congregational singing first and foremost. And in our space, the way it is designed and the acoustics of it, the organ leads that better than anything else. Right. So, so we are committed to organ, choir, occasionally brass on the festivals and, and things like that. Um amplified music would not work very well in our space it just would be awful and um so that's kind of made the decision for us our space has decided what works well Mm -hmm. so um sometimes people people ask about doing something else and you know we try to learn new hymns um we we try to to keep the best of the old of course and also learn new hymns the best of the new so that we're still fresh and 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 uh hearing from contemporary voices as well but um but not never losing sight of all of the wonderful voices from the past who who have contributed such amazing theological thoughts and uh musical gifts to the church so it's a balancing act but i don't have to balance as much as some people do you know where where they have to really truly do both i i don't really have to so Mm -hmm. i'm kind of lucky (laughs) <laughs> right uh, about those uh, supplements right to the hymnals uh, they they issue new supplements i uh, i remember uh, during our time in lincoln uh, the new elca lutheran uh, hymnal uh, was published right and uh, 
and as well the new supplement to that right and in su- in the supplements they have usually contemporary mm, style more more contemporary style hymns right and they are more difficult to sing uh, as a congregation because they have syncopations and they require a different approach maybe more solo solo approach so uh, of course i understand uh, how people ne- people's need to include more well today's approach uh, because there are living composers writing right for the church and and there are some uh, some traditional gems from the past from from two three four five hundred years ago right and uh, this if you would include everything so your hymnal would be thicker and thicker and thicker every day every every year every issue but uh, they have to then to balance uh, right so that's what they do yeah, and I think um, one of the keys to, to doing the traditional music that, like we do and doing it well is actually the children and the children's choirs. And um, and that's why I take time out of my day on Sunday to go talk with the Sunday school students and to teach them songs. Mm-hmm. Um, kids can memorize things so fast, and they learn amazingly large amounts of hymnody if you put it in front of them. And um, they when the older people see the young ones doing it, they're like, well, okay, I guess we can do this too. And so you can really use the children to um, help lead by teaching. And uh, that's worked out well for us. And I think that I'm proud of the choir, the kids choirs because Mm -hmm. of, of the repertoire that they have in their hearts that they've learned, you know, memorized. Um, I doubt that it will ever leave them. And that makes me happy. So I think that's a, a really important key to, to doing this and doing it well. You're right. You This generation, the new generation of kids grew up at Grace, right? From, from the year of, no, I don't know, three, four, five years old, right? And they uh, right away started to sing, right? And yeah. you've been leading them from a decade, right? Or even more yeah. now. Yeah, uh, and they, they they grown up, right? Your own kids grown up, right? And uh, you have this fantastic opportunity to to um, uh, to lead them into the n- next uh, generation to the next adult choir probably uh, right and you have this uh, transition period also for teenagers right and and uh, and uh, things like they are interested probably in more contemporary styles but y- you probably communicate with them the value of tradition also so by the way how do you communicate with teenagers at grace well, I'm just uh, kind of starting again because when you were here, I think we still had the youth choir. Mm-hmm. And then those kids grew up and, and became adults. And there was a time where we didn't have enough teenagers and we mm-hmm. had nobody. Um, and now my children's choir is beginning to be a youth choir again. And uh, so I feel lucky because I've had them since they were three years old and they know me and they know what we do. And so I don't have much trouble with them. I don't have to discuss with them why we should sing Bach because they already know that we do sing Bach and we like Bach and, and they love it. I mean, they we did Bach last year or the year before and that was their favorite piece of the year. And uh, so it's just a matter of, of exposing them to the great music and they love it. They're working on a handle piece now and they love it. Um, it's not even a fast one, but they still love it. Um, so it's just, I think when you give kids good quality music and you're enthused about it, 
I think they'll be enthused about it. Exactly. Your passion uh, shines through probably, right? And um, not only kids, but entire congregation can see your, your uh, I would say, commitment, right? And your, yes. your and purpose, right? Yes. And they have to know that you that you love them, that you're not just doing this because this is what you like to do and you're imposing it on them. Um, they have to see that you're in it for them, too. Right. You know, the musician's ego can really get in the way <laughs> and yes. sometimes. And so yeah. you really have to, I think, keep that in check and and uh, think about your people and serving them as opposed to them serving you somehow. And, of course, you are a professional organist with a master's degree, right, in that field. And you had fantastic teachers like Quentin Faulkner and George Ritchie, right? And you, you could feel... Uh, um, do, of doing more solo organ pieces, right? More, more pieces that you particularly would enjoy. But you think about the congregation and the choir as well, so that they could not feel yeah. neglected, also. So right. that's important. But I only have my bachelor's degree. Not yet, masters. Okay, uh, no, you will have. I did a bachelor's of journalism and then a bachelor's of music. And so I was at school and took lessons for nine years, but I did not get a master's degree. All right. So, but never mind. I've never, never, uh, never noticed that that you don't have <laughs> masters while we were together working. Lots of lessons. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of lessons. Right. Experience <laughs> is more in, important than the degree, right? Probably. Right. Well, and George, George and Quentin were such good teachers, and I just think we were so privileged to to be able to study with them and um, and also just to have their example of how they did things musically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I just feel very fortunate to have been part of that that group of people. Yeah. It's it's an entire entire generation of organists grew up in that on that campus, right? And the entire organ studio was so friendly and without any competition whatsoever between e- each student and also between professors, Quentin and George, they were real friends and real colleagues, right? So this um, yeah. this friendliness shines through in, in, in what you are doing also. It, it leads to, to, to your endeavors and you are also an ambassador of, of their way of thinking and leading, yeah. right? Yeah, I really think that way too. I mean, yeah. without them, I couldn't do what I do. You know, yeah. without their teaching, I couldn't do what I do. And... Um, and of course, I gained so much from their um, commitment to quality music and, and all the things they taught us. And I want to share that with others. So it does. It really echoes out. Kind of, it's like the the stone thrown in the pond with the ripples in, on the water. Um, so right. what they've accomplished was amazing. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the bell choir, right? Uh, I remember, oh. uh, uh, remember um, during our days at Lincoln, you. You you kind of uh, developed this fantastic bell choir program, right? You you rehearsed, you you performed, you did concerts, bell choir concerts, right? Uh, and uh, you ha- you've got many many people. How many peoples are, are in in each group? Do you know? Do you know? Uh, the advanced bell choir is thirteen, and then the um, beginning bell choir is seven or eight, mm-hmm. and that is a mixture of kids. 
and beginning adults. Mm-hmm. And, um, so they they don't play as often for church. You know, they just work on something, and when they get it ready, they play it. And so there's no pressure on them as they learn. And then the advanced bell choir, there's quite a bit of pressure on them because they play quite a bit and they play hard things. Um, but they're, we're blessed with really good musicians in that group. And we've had some turnover as people move away and get different jobs and, you know, things like that. And it's always with the bell choir really scary to lose a ringer because you think, oh, how am I going to replace mm-hmm. so-and-so? Well, so far we've been lucky and someone has always kind of stepped up. But it's it's quite a group. It really is. Mm-hmm. Right. Because each person is responsible for a few bells, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. And if yeah, you lose one person, you lose entire maybe uh, in, a few intervals, right? Uh, so yeah. it's important. And so it's really if someone gets sick or can't show up on the day of a performance, it's really stressful. Um, and I have a couple people, one in particular who is uh, fearless and will step up and try to ring it if we need her to. And um, she does pretty well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you don't want to miss bell re- bell performances. You you better be there if you. Do, do, do people attend uh, rehearsals also uh, well? Pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think it's more and more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's with um, people are so busy and it's just more and more difficult to sort of schedule something that, you know, every Thursday night I am going to go to bell rehearsal. Um, but I still have pretty good attendance. Um, and we've had a couple people with some health problems And so that's been a little slow. Mm-hmm. But um, my internet connection just said it was a little unstable. Can you still hear me? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay, good. Um, so yeah, so they, so I have pretty good. I mean, they know they're responsible to each other. You are responsible to these other people, not just to me. But if you miss, you're letting all of us down. Mm-hmm. So that's that's good motivation to get there. And of course, their families, their friends are watching them perform. That's the big motivation, right? They can nowadays they can take pictures, share uh, their performances. Do you do you do live streaming of of musical performances at Grace? We don't. We haven't started that. Um, mm-hmm. Live streaming. I I I'm not sure about copyright. I think it would be okay, but I'm never quite sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And. Um, But we just haven't. Um, we've recorded each of our bell concerts sort of for our own our little archive, so we know what we've done. But um, no, we haven't done. We, we're talking about it, but we haven't gotten there yet. I think you will because it's a big trend now uh, around the world, and uh, you know, people uh, even at rock stars uh, concerts they go with their phones right uh, in their hands, and they 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 film they record and stream live stream a, a few minutes not the entire concert but but a few minutes to their followers on the social media and that's that's huge right because nobody can really forbid that because it's well just a few minutes right they are doing great work for for that performance because they're spreading the word and um, but uh, but uh, you still need of course good internet connection for that and, and massive data amount yeah yeah so that's video. always something that tr- the technique 
techie yes. people have to work that out, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fantastic. So, uh, what other uh, things you do besides congregational, uh, b b besides appearing on on uh, Sunday ch church services with bells? For example, do you go? to conventions or or to other congregations to to sing or to 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 perform um yeah sometimes we have um we've gone to some conferences that have been really helpful um the best thing about the conferences is um that they it gets the bell choir to see what other bell choirs are doing exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah and you really don't know what's possible sometimes with an instrument of course if you stay in your own insulated little place And so just getting them out to see what others are doing was really, really important. And once they saw that, our bell choir, as you know, plays in the balcony, so people don't see them. And so whenever they used to play in front of people, they used to get stage fright, and they would, be they would just be terrified. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons we started doing that Christmas concert, which is a big deal now, um, Because I thought, they just need to get out there and play a whole concert in front of people and they'll get over this. And they have. Mm -hmm. It's much better. Um, but that's a different thing, you know, to perform with people looking at you is much different than being up in the balcony where no one can see you. And um, so they needed to see people perform and they needed to see what they could do and, and stuff. And once they did that, they started growing as musicians, I think, mm -hmm. more. So that was good. And then we, um, so we do our concert, our Christmas concert. And then usually in the spring, we do a talent show for the congregation and the bell choir will play at the end of it. So we can play rock and roll uh, numbers at the end. And that's fun. Uh, we would obviously never get to play those otherwise, but we want to play them. So we, so we do that. And um, we have gone and played at some other events. It's always such a production to move a bell choir around with all the tables and the foam and the you know but we have done a few things um and so it's fun it's kind of it's good outreach people are always very curious about it mm -hmm. yeah it's like movable organ right if you could right. move your uh, entire organ not only console but entire instrument someplace that would be exciting wouldn't it? yeah. yeah so but you can do that with bells um, well much more flexible uh, moving of that uh, particular area um, and people are excited to see how they're yeah. doing right and they can yeah. see oh this bell is singing is ringing now this one and and they can follow the music right and it's very yeah. very powerful impact uh, to see and to to hear, to touch uh, things, right? Because uh, yeah. many bells are not of, of the same same height and same uh, weight, right? You need sometimes two hands for one, probably, right? Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, they love to see the big bells, you know, and they also love to see those teeny, teeny little ones. Mm -hmm. and so it is fun, and I think kids are fascinated by the bells to see them, and um, you know, just people of all ages, really, they just like to watch them, and And uh, as long as they're played well, they're, they're nice to listen to. So um, it's a challenge to present the music the way you want it to, to be presented, but um, it's a good challenge. It's also hard because if you think about a flute, a flutist playing a melody line, they have all the notes of the melody. Mm -hmm. But with a bell choir, all those notes of the melody are divided between five or six people. And so you really have to work out, you know, dynamics and, and bringing the melody and there's a lot to do to it. Each person is like one organ pipe, right? Uh, in organ music terms, right? And, and uh, it really 
it really makes sense to work together. It's very collaborative uh, way of, of performance, right? Of performing. So you you have to really work together. In choir, for example, yes, some people can sing, some 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 may show up, show, some so don't, and. Uh, well, it's not that noticeable, but when a few people are missing in bell choirs, everybody right. notices, right? Yes. So fantastic, Sarah. Uh, uh, so you remind us, uh, you started this uh, project, bell project, uh, uh, when in two thousand two, right? Or or. Yes, that's when I became director. They had the bell choir before, and I had played in the bell choir mm -hmm. before, mm -hmm. and um, and they were good and and everything. But when I started as director i i thought they could be better i thought they could be challenged mm -hmm. more and so i worked towards challenging them more right uh, and do, do you of course you were trained as an organist more than as a bell choir director right so you have you had to train yourself probably some of the notation right uh, yes. for 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 the science of of bell choir how, how did you find that uh, symbols difficult to learn or not really um, not too hard because um, a couple of my ringers have been ringers for like 30 years. They've, oh. they've just done it forever. And so they're really great at knowing what that this or that means. And then the um, Handbuilt Musicians of America has some resources, little booklets and little um, things that you can put right in the folders, the music folders that mm -hmm. show all the symbols on a little sheet of paper. And so we use those. And so that part wasn't so hard. I think the hardest part about it was um, just the basic conducting of it. And I mean, it's very rhythmical and um, we do things that are in seven, eight or mixed meter going back and forth. And, and at, at first figuring out how to coordinate all that, you know, is, is hard, but um they, uh, the group is good, so then it, it let me grow and, and figure out what I needed to do. So, you know, it's it's you learn as you go. It's just you always get better, hopefully. Fantastic! You grow with the group, right? You they yeah. they grow and you grow. It's it's a mutual mutual growth. Definitely. Fantastic! So, Sarah, I. I I, f I think we are getting uh, close to our time right now, right? So, um, can you give us uh, uh, an insight that you wish you knew when you were just starting church music uh, directing and bell, bell choir and also just in general being church music uh, musician? You wish you knew, but, uh, but you didn't, right? You know now. Can you give us that insight to people around the world that they would be uh, appreciated very much? Um, well, I think when you first start out, you worry a lot about the music. Mm -hmm. You're all worried about the music. And, and, and of course, that is important. But at the end of the day, I almost think dealing with the people is more important. And being able to uh, forge relationships with your choir members and, and having them know that you care about them and that um, you're all in this together we ask a lot of our choir members at grace anyway i don't know but like during holy week they sang thursday friday saturday sunday every single mm -hmm. service during holy week that's a lot for a volunteer musician to commit to um so they need to know that we appreciate them and that even if we make a mistake you know that's not the most important thing um that that the fact that we are trying and that we're serving and that we are uh 
leading worship, that's the most important thing. We're doing it together. We're all in it together. Um, so I think if I had, it would have been helpful to know more people, not, I shouldn't say that I needed to learn people skills, but I mean, so much of the job mm-hmm. is dealing with people much more than it is sitting down on the bench and practicing. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of time for honestly practicing sometimes, mm-hmm. but you're always dealing with your people and, and that's the best part of the job in many ways. Um, but it's not quite what you think it is. It's not like you'll go off to the organ loft and be by yourself for a while. True. So. It's like maybe, uh, what, uh, 20% practice and uh, 80% dealing with people probably, right? Yeah. 80-20, yeah. 80-20, 20 yeah. That's about uh, what it takes to do in, in most areas, right? You you prepare a product, right? And then it takes a certain, certain amount of time. But to communicate about that product, it takes, well, extremely, uh, uh, ex- much more time right and and to do this uh, uh, correctly to do this with impact and you are doing so gracefully at grace uh, uh, sarah and uh, of course people here um, appreciate you and uh, i wish you will you will have the many many years of successful church uh, music serving uh, at, in your community too and uh, very healthy family uh, also family life right and they are yeah. all part of of your group of uh, they are all doing the church music activities right and uh, i yeah, know that and family, family effort <laughs> family teamwork right teamwork yes, exactly Fantastic. Uh, Sarah, can you give us a link where people can uh, connect with you and your work online? Maybe maybe you can give us uh, some some of the place you your uh, website for Grace or, or your own uh, social profile. That would be great. Sure. Um, Grace's website is www.egrace.org. So you can find it there. And then on that website, there's a link to Grace's Facebook page, mm-hmm. which I think that's the easiest way to find it. Um, and Grace's Facebook page, I, I keep it up mostly. So there will be a lot of worship updates and, and music updates on there. So if people want to see what we're doing, that's a great place to check. Fantastic. So, Sarah, uh, for for our closing, uh, I know it's 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 a lot of work, right? Uh, doing all those uh, church music activities with choirs, with people, with bells, with brass for p- special occasions. Uh, is it worth it? Uh, is it worth doing that work? I know uh, it's it's tremendous effort. Can you say is it worth it? Oh yeah, it's it's a great job. It's a great lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Uh, the kids are with me a lot doing it and we're just together doing it as a family. So that's a lot of fun. And uh, the friendships you make and the, the relationships you have. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, definitely worth it. And I always think when I sit on the bench in that beautiful space and I can hear the, hear the organ echoing down the aisle and, and see the pretty windows and all, you know, it's just a beautiful place to go to work. And I think I'm pretty lucky. Mm-hmm. And uh, and people really uh, can hear that impact you're making, right? Uh, with your musical activities. That's that's a good satisfaction to know that you are impacting their lives for an entire week, for example, right? From Sunday to Sunday. And you, uh, for the next Sunday, you will be prepare something else. And you will keep, keep doing the work that matters uh, for a very long time, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something we can hold in our hands, but I think we hold it in our hearts. And I think it's more important. I think it's just one of the, it's a great privilege to do this work. 
Fantastic, Sarah. God bless you and your work. And uh, let's keep in touch. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you, Vitas. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog, Secrets of Organ Playing, at organduo.lt, where you will find lots of insights, practical advice, and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vida Spinkavitus. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you online really soon.